the key part of being a product leader is you can't make everyone happy. And so your job is to actually drive alignment. It's not to drive consensus. If you're driving consensus, you're going to build an average product and no one wants to adopt an average product. And so instead, it's about alignment. That means, yeah, like you can't do everything. And so you got to figure out what's the most important thing and then get people that maybe that might not be the single most important thing to them because everyone has different incentives, whether that's a client or a customer who has incentives versus, you know, maybe someone on a sales team wants to close a deal. You need to understand that, but then you got to help them understand why you're maybe not aligning with what they need. And ultimately, the way you do that is you, sh- you share the same North Star, the long-term good. And so that's always the first point. That's actually principle number one, which is to be a rebel. That means you really need to talk a lot to your customers. <laughs> to, you have to understand what's important for them. What people ask for isn't always necessarily the thing that's going to solve their problem. Hey, Product Rebels, I'm Vidya Dinamani. And I'm Heather Samarin. And you're listening to the Product Rebels podcast. Today, we're thrilled to have our good friend, Justin Bauer, join us on the show. Justin started his career in management consulting at major firms like McKinsey and Booz Allen, and he helped pioneer a digital revolution in the industry. He's built digital and physical product concepts to incubate digital solutions for clients. After that, he cut his teeth as a successful product builder and startup founder, co-founding a new-to-market daily fantasy sports app called Rivalry. And he also led it as a CEO until it was acquired a while back. These days, Justin is a chief product officer at a leading product analytics platform. So it's going to be an interesting conversation, learning how Justin and his team thinks about helping others learn. Justin is one of the sharpest product leaders that we've met. So we are delighted to have him share what drives his success as a product leader, along with some interesting stories and useful takeaways from his journey. Welcome, Justin. Justin, it's really good to have you here. Thank you for coming on the show. Of course. Thank you for having me. So, you know, when I think about product rebels, I think of you as a rebel that's like armed and dangerous because you have like data and it's almost like it's, it's not just a weapon, but it's also sort of this shield to be able to help make the right decisions. So I want to start with, does that definition sort of make sense to you? And how do you think about being a rebel? Because I really think of you that way. Yeah, I think so. I think, um, you know, the role of data. So for, for folks who don't know me, I'm uh, Chief Product Officer at Amplitude. So very much play in the product analytics space. Data has been a big part of my entire career. I think one of the things that I love about data with respect to product is the fact that data really represents the voice of your customer. They're telling you the things that they like versus don't like through their actions, through their behaviors. And so you have a real opportunity to use that to drive for the things that are important for that customer. And I think that sometimes is hard to do. You know, there's the product leader, you're getting feedback from multiple different people, you're getting feedback from your marketing team, like if you're in SaaS, it's your sales team. And you're obviously hearing a bunch of feedback from customers directly, but that might be your loudest customers or the ones that are paying you the most money. And I think the data is an unbiased source of literally what is happening within your product. So it, it helps inform uh, decisions that you make in terms of how you're building for your customers. And you can use that to really fight and advocate for them. And so I think that's an important part of the toolkit. Um, you don't want to use it as the only thing, but I think it's a really, really important part that a lot of companies 
are figuring out, but there's still a long ways to go. Absolutely. And I so appreciate sort of the product, but I want the inside story. I want to know how you use it inside Amplitude. And for those who don't know, you went public last year, huge growth, done incredibly well. But that's not been an easy path, just knowing some of the stories that you've told me. So help us understand how you've had to use data to make product decisions inside the company and maybe when it's been not so easy. The first thing that data can help you do is align around goals. And so we've got a North Star metric. Uh, So it's what we call a weekly learning user. It's a user that's using our product, getting to some sort of insight, sharing that. And then that's being consumed by two or more people. So that really reflects someone kind of getting to an aha moment within within our product and driving collaboration. And that really encapsulates a lot of where we're trying to go with our analytics product. And so it's great to be able to align around a core metric. We also have demonstrated that metric actually helps drive the business. (laughs) So it's also causal for retention that matters as well. And then that allows me to have a conversation with folks around whenever I'm getting maybe a feature request as an example, like how does that map to us being able to drive that? And so I've been able to use that both internally within the company when people are thinking about different ideas. Everyone believes their own ideas are great. We also know empirically that actually most product ideas fail. And so the hard part is actually figuring out which are the ones to double down on. We can use that metric to align around that and see, do we think this will drive that? And then actually see if it does. I think the other way that I've been able to do this, and this is more a B2B context, but it's actually having a conversation with customers around the metric. And so I remember some specific times where I've had some of our highest paying customers, customers that are literally Fortune 10, right? They will have very specific feature requests, things that they want to get built. And I can actually use that North Star to have a conversation with them and say, hey, like at the end of the day, I'm trying to drive engagement. I'm trying to drive learning within your organization. Do you agree? Yes. Okay, well, let's talk about here's the roadmap that I've put together in partnership with you. And then here's this feature request. Do you think that's actually going to help drive this? And that'll end up being a really interesting conversation where sometimes they'll actually say, no, actually, I hear you. Like, really, I was thinking about this, but that may not be the right thing that we're really focused on. Other times I've been in situations where we're still at a level of disagreement. And I've actually made uh, an agreement with the customer say, okay, great, we'll, we'll build an early version of this. We'll build MVP. And let's actually see if it's driving this within your organization. And so trying to get a little bit of that accountability that I have on their side, because at the end of the day, you know, we're partners. And so those are some of the ways I've used it within a B2B context. Happy to share others. Yeah, I love this because one of the biggest challenges I think our B2B customers have is this notion that the loudest or the squeaky wheel or the most profitable clients wins. And what I'm hearing you say, which is, sort of rebellious, right? This is being a product rebel. You're coming back to them and saying, you want to make learning or data-driven decisions. Let's talk about the decisions that you're trying to drive and what data you need to make those decisions. So you're sort of, you're being rebellious within your clients, right? To help drive prioritization and maybe drive them off of new shiny objects, so to speak, and be very much more focused on what you know they need. And I think that is a really great way to look at this problem that most of our B2B customers have, which is, damn, you know, my, my boss is telling me I need to, to solve for what this client is telling me to do when I know that's probably not the right way to go. How do we get around that? 
And I feel like this is a really great way to do that. Can you take us through a specific example with a particular client in as much as you can share, obviously, on what you did and how you did it just so that others can learn from you? I mean, it's a key part of being a product leader is you can't make everyone happy. And so your job is to actually drive alignment. It's not to drive consensus. If you're driving consensus, you're going to build an average product and no one wants to adopt an average product. And so instead, it's about alignment. That means, yeah, like you can't do everything. And so you got to figure out what's the most important thing and then get people that maybe that might not be the single most important thing to them because everyone has different incentives, whether that's a client or a customer who has incentives versus, you know, maybe someone on a sales team wants to close a deal. You need to understand that, but then you got to help them understand why you're maybe not aligning with what they need. And ultimately, the way you do that is you, sh- you share the same North Star, the long-term good. And so that's always the first point. So that's like going to this example. Like I, can't, I, I can't name specific clients, but in this example, like what I can say is high-paid customer, a company everyone knows, like I say, Fortune 10 company. And they know it, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> they um, often do. <laughs> yes, exactly. And so in that example, and I'm trying to remember what the exact feature request is, but the point of it was that it really wasn't going to help many of our other customers. Like that was very clear. And it wasn't even clear to me that it was going to help them, given my understanding and having met with a number of different folks at the company. But this is a very senior leader, right? And that's actually principle number one, which is to be a rebel. That means you really need to talk a lot to your customers because <laughs> yeah. you have to understand what's important mm-hmm. for them. What people ask for isn't always necessarily the thing that's going to solve their problem. You have to have a lot of conviction to be able to stand up when someone's asking for a specific feature request to be able to say no. Right. So that was number one. Like I had met with a number of folks within their team. Like we do a lot of research and we obviously knew our own, you know, all of our other customers as well that kind of were of the same size and scale. And then it was actually sitting down with that person first was really understanding like, what's the why behind the request? That's always number one, because frequently, you know, customers necessarily aren't always great at asking for the right feature, but they definitely understand their problem. Mm. And so I wanted to really get at what the problem was here. So that's classic, like five whys kind of get into that. And I think once we got to the underlying problem, I could actually see how to map that into the types of problems that I was trying to solve for. And so then I connected that to like, well, here's what we're trying to drive around collaboration, around adoption. We're both aligned on that. And then I walked through examples of other features that I thought that we, I knew we were working on that I thought better mapped to ultimately the underlying goal. Um, in this example, I was able to actually convince them on that front. And that takes a level of trust that they believed me on that. But then also I backed that up with data later on and actually showed them how that company was actually adopting the thing that we built. And I think that built trust. And that's, you know, these are all relationships, uh, especially with your largest customers. And so I think that was an example where I was able to drive that alignment, whereas maybe initially we weren't in agreement. I want to take this idea of alignment and take a step back. And I think you've written on this idea of a North Star metric and Getting that alignment right from the start from a, from a product perspective, because you're pulling your internal organization back to that agreement that you're like, yep, we're all on the same page here. What was that like to get there, which allows you internally to be aligned when you go to these top 10 customers? So can you tell us a little bit about that? It is a process. And I think the key thing in driving alignment is like understanding that, once again, you need to get everyone involved in that conversation. But at the end of the day, you have to make the call as as the product leader. And so for us, it started with 
What are the core problems that we're trying to solve? Right? Where are we trying to go long term? Like, and what I've found actually in doing, you know, we we do North Star metric workshops with a number of our uh, own customers. In going in, many people think this is going to be a workshop around defining a metric. What they find is actually it's a conversation around strategy, um, mm. because defining a single metric forces a lot of clarity. And what you will quickly discover is you're not aligned. You think you're aligned, but actually, when you get to the point of actually having to define a metric, you'll actually find out that. The reason why you can't define it is because one group really wants to go in this direction, another group wants to go in a different direction. So it quickly becomes a strategy conversation. That's number one, is then having that discussion, which just doesn't happen often enough. You know, as a product leader, you can't make these decisions in a vacuum, right? You need to involve others, get alignment around that. And the metric is just really a a forcing function to have that happen. I love this conversation. I think, you know, I was just in a workshop last week in a product strategy workshop with some folks. And I think one of the challenges they have is, well, you know, what if there is no strategy? You know, if there is no strategy, how can I develop a product prioritization and how can I make decisions? And what you're saying is you need to proactively articulate what you think it is, what the North Star metric is, um, and force the conversation. And that can feel like you're swimming upstream, right? And I think it's that courage and that facilitation of the tough conversations is part of what being a product rebel is all about. And I, I really, I love that forcing mechanism comment. And I think it's something that all product managers, it doesn't have to be just a product leader, right? It can be a product manager, group product manager coming in and saying, okay, what is my North Star metric? And if there is no strategy, I go to my leaders and I say, this is what I think it is based of all the conversations that we've had and the data we have, and then forcing that conversation. I think it's a, it's a really great practice to have. So thank you for that. Completely agree. And that's the key there is facilitation, right? So you maybe don't have the explicit role to come up with your company strategy, overall product strategy. But if you're not seeing that alignment, I think you mentioned two things there. One, have an opinion on it. Like you should have an opinion. And then secondly, facilitate the conversation around that. Like I certainly appreciate it whenever I see that happening, where people are coming in. But once again, it's not just saying there is no strategy. It's actually saying, here's what I think the strategy should be based on the information I have, but I want to actually get a conversation, get a lot of different folks together to have a, have a discussion around that. That, that tends to bear a lot of fruit uh, when you have those types of uh, debates. I think it's so interesting that you're providing this for other people as well as you go into clients, that you're facilitating this. Because one of the things that, that we often see is we're coming into companies where there isn't that clear product strategy and by virtue of the kind of product and the service that you're offering, you're facilitating this conversation for other people. And that's fascinating. Once you've aligned around a strategy, you can then figure out how to measure it. And then you're going to want to understand, well, what are the drivers of that? that then you start to, we call it the metric, the constellation of metrics. You start to map out this whole tree of like, okay, well, this is where we're trying to drive. Like take work weekly learning user, an example. Like, okay, well, how does someone become a weekly learning user? Well, they typically have to get to the first chart. So we've got a team focused on how to do that. They got to get data in. We got a whole team focused on that, right? They got to get to something that's worth saving. So there's a team that's focused on how do people explore, right? And so like, and you can actually now start to map out your organization, but also map out the metrics. And then obviously that's where a tool like Amplitude comes in to help you both measure those things, but then actually see, are the features you're working on actually driving improvement against those? Is that then actually driving your North Star? And so, you know, it it obviously helps us when we have these types of conversations because it starts to then justify why you actually need product analytics within the organization. I want to jump back to one quick thing, which is the example that you gave. 
you slipped in, sometimes it doesn't work, right? Sometimes you come in, you are trying to convince because you've seen what they want to do and they could keep on insisting. And you said something about an experiment. So can you just say more about that? I think this is an important thing to call out because I think a lot of times in thought leadership and th- podcasts like this, like we talk about the ideological, but there are examples, like as a B2B company, there are examples where we build features where a specific customer asks for it. Um, now, my job is to make sure that that's aligned to our strategy, um, but we might move something up and down slightly up the stack rank. So it's like, you know, the world is not perfectly ideological, <laughs> right? What I try to do in those instances where let's say something like if something's not on the roadmap, I'm not going to put it on the roadmap because a customer asked for it. Like that's changing your strategy. But like a more common example might be something that is number seven on your roadmap. And so you weren't planning on doing it until maybe later in the year. An important customer comes in, you have a conversation, right? And at the end of the day, you're not able to convince them that that actually should happen later. And so you move it up. Right. That stuff happens. You don't want it to happen too often, but the reality is like every once in a while it does. The key that I found there is then how do you scope that down so that it's an experiment, right? Because at the end of the day, like I said, the items on our roadmap are our best guesses as to what is going to happen. And our feature request is a customer's best guess. We call them bets internally at Amplitude for a reason. They're bets. They're just guesses. They're hypotheses. Like we don't actually know. At the end of the day, you don't really know until you actually get in front of a customer and you actually see. So we're all trying to make best guesses based on the intuition that we have. In that example, I, and we try to do this with everything, but in those specific examples, I think it's really important. Thinly scope that to the, and then measure its effectiveness. And that's really the key. So you can actually see, oh, great. Well, let's build an alpha. Let's actually see what happens. And let's align around goals for that, that both you and the client agree to, right? Because at the end of the day, they don't really want you to build a feature. What they want is the outcome that they're trying to, that they care about. So we'll align around that and then let's actually see if it works. And if it does, and the client was right and I was wrong, that's great. It worked. Like at the end of the day, I don't really care. It worked. <laughs> and if it doesn't, then at the end of the day, we didn't spend a lot of resources towards it. I mean, hopefully I've actually built some credibility with the client where I was like, hey, I was like, let's try it out. Right. I don't think this is just true in a B2B sense. Like if I'm a B2C company, you have the same thing. Your boss's boss's boss is like, really pressing. This is the feature you got to build. Like if you really don't agree with that and it's not aligned with your vision or strategy at all, like you should fight against it. Totally do. But in a world where it's that gray area and we're all trying to make bets, same thing. Okay. Align around, let's try it out, but let's do it in a thinly scoped way. And it's align around the metrics that we want to actually see so that then if it pans out, it's great. And if it doesn't, then you now have some data to actually back you up to say, maybe we shouldn't invest further uh, behind this. I think that's that's so important. And that key is those, what are the outcomes? Because I think so many times it's about the feature, it's about the experiment, and it's about like producing something versus really aligning. And that's back to that word that you used right in the beginning. It's if you can align on the on the outcome, then you can scope the experiment to say, how do we learn towards seeing if that's true or not? So love that. I'd love to hear, let's say you're talking to Justin in his first two years of product management. What's the one piece of advice you have given as a facilitative leader, right? And the challenges that you've experienced, what's the one thing they could get started working on today? One maybe mindset shift or tactic or, you know, some approach that you would give advice to Justin back then to actually grow even that much faster and be more effective leader? I actually think I'm going to paraphrase a Brene Brown quote, because I actually think this was great advice that I've gotten and I've learned over the years, which is, 
it's not your job to be right. It's your job to get it right. I think early Justin wanted to be right. And like, I'm the one that came up with the idea, <laughs> like that kind of thing. And certainly like being able to come up with ideas and, and be right early, like it, there's benefits to that. But I think something I've definitely learned over the years is like the way to get it right is actually to enable other folks and empower them. And like, cause the collective group is way more likely to get it right than any one individual. It doesn't matter how smart they are, like collective wisdom is always going to win out. And so starting to hone that capability earlier, I luckily got that advice from someone fairly early on, but not at the very beginning. And I just think it's so important for being a product leader. And so that's probably the one thing that I'd yeah, tell early Justin. <laughs> it's very cool. So for all the early Justins out there, it's, that's right. <laughs> so it's more important to get it right. That's wonderful. A couple of questions. I, I want to know, what are you reading? What are you watching? What are you looking at right now? We're kind of going into, you know, this is sort of a, a strange time for all of us in product. We're kind of heading into, you know, who knows what kind of headwinds. So how are you getting ready? So part of it, I actually think, this is important. So balance. We're entering, you know, hard times, like, and no question, it's something for a number of folks who never gone through this type of macroeconomic environment, it'll be new for them. You know, in many ways, the last decade or so, like, it's been easier to grow. I'll <laughs> put it that way. <laughs> a lot of capital out there, all those things. And I think one of the key things, like, there's gonna be a lot of hard decisions. I think you got to find balance. You can't just like be focused purely on work. You'll burn yourself out. And uh, I think we've even seen that with the pandemic, right? It's like you you have to get that balance. And so I found ways that I do that right now. I have a three year old uh, at home, and that's like honestly like one of the best ways to actually kind of step out of the world I'm in every day, thinking about product and all these things, to actually just look at the world through her eyes. And I actually think that gives amazing perspective. It also helps you simplify. You know, I'm a big believer in liberal arts. I have a liberal arts background. I think one of the powers of that is actually just, I like to read lots of different things and, and just experience different parts of the world and all that, because I actually think you can get to key insights when you connect things that aren't naturally connected versus if you just are focused in within your own world, then sometimes you won't be able to take a step back and see the bigger picture. And so I've been doing a lot of that of just trying to like understand, like I spend a lot of time actually trying to understand how toddler brains work and things like that. It's interesting to me. I'm reading Dr. Becky every, uh, I can't remember what's her name, uh, the name of the book, Everyone is Good Inside, mm. literally something I'm reading right now. It's both a topic of industry because I'm raising a toddler, but it's also just kind of interesting. It's just different. And I find those differences, you find connections that you would have never have thought of. And so that I think is really important. And it's also, yeah, just it kind of gives me a bit of a break to slow down. There's all, there's no end. There's, I mean, there's so many things on the backlog of stuff I got to get done for Amplitude. But actually having a little perspective, I think, helps me make better decisions. So everyone's got to go find a three-year-old. That's the advice. <laughs> find something that is like not obvious to your vocation. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. Just un yeah. and I, I guarantee you, you will start to see connections. Mm -hmm. uh, it's nice that we can travel again as well. So Heather and I have been yeah. doing some travel recently and it's just, you know, that additional perspective has been so missing mm -hmm. for, for quite quite some time. Justin, what can we do for you? What's coming up big for Amplitude, for your life? What do you want to share? 
anything we can promote for you, tell us what's coming. Yeah, I mean, we've got an exciting year in front of us uh, with Amplitude. Um, like I said, I, I actually, I believe that in this era where budgets are tight, things are getting cut, being able to use data to really advocate for the customer, advocate for the risky bets that you want to place, right? Like, I think that's really important. And I'm excited about partnering with our customers, future customers to do that. Yeah, I'm trying to think there's anything in particular that we've got coming up. We just announced a really big relationship with Snowflake. So those are things that are exciting for us. So customers that are companies that are using them and really want to get power out of both. I definitely would love to chat with them. And just in general, I love to talk to people that are trying to figure out like, yeah, how to combine both data into decision making as well as kind of the art of product. I think that's really the future as being able to combine both. I love those conversations. And so if there are folks who are interested in chatting about this, happy to have those conversations. So and how do they find you? <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. So probably LinkedIn is maybe one of the easiest places to find me. That's pretty easy. Like I do have a Twitter account. I'm not super active there and I don't know if Twitter, I mean, I'm not going to, I'm definitely not the one to ask about what's happening there because that hasn't been my world, but not confident if I'm going to invest some more of my time within that. I, so I do actually right. think maybe LinkedIn is going to be more of my, my platform. Uh, it's and- a bit that we don't want to take. <laughs> Talking about bits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. That's definitely that I'm not taking. <laughs> this was so wonderful. I think, you know, just packed with insight, you know, with that sort of data as the core, but really thinking about both just from a business perspective, but also the personal perspective and how you think and how you approach and how you align teams and customers has been fascinating. So thank you so much, Justin. Of course. Thanks, yeah, happy Justin. to do that. Always enjoy talking about products. So that was helpful. So fun. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Product Rebels podcast. If you enjoyed this conversation and want to learn more from Product Rebels, from companies like Netflix, Amplitude, and beyond, Please follow us wherever you listen to podcasts and join us for another impactful interview in about two weeks.